Welcome to Question Block. I am Alex, or Wires of NYC, and with me is... Aerialist. (laughs) Aerialist, why are you whispering? Because this is a podcast about sleep. We're going to do ASMR. We don't want to put people in... Well, I guess you could listen to this podcast while going to sleep. ASMR doesn't put me to sleep, though. I find it kind of grating. (laughs) It's scary to you. Yeah. I just scream right now, like, wake up! (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to talk about the science of sleep and dreams. If we have a thesis statement for today, it's going to be that sleep is complicated. And we don't know why we do it. We just know that you'll die if you don't. During my research, I came across this book. This guy's like a professor at like Berkeley or something called Why Do We Sleep? And, and it just was two, one <laughs> sentence. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, he had a lot of theories. And then I the, the like top link or web page that referenced that book is just a fact check with like hundreds of errors that like this other scientist found in that guy's book. And he's like, none of this is true. He didn't cite any studies for this claim, like this other thing. Like, yeah. So the guy who wrote the book, Why Do We Sleep? Didn't know much about sleep either. He stayed up all night writing the book, first of all. That's his problem because that causes some cognitive impairment. Mm-hmm. And mm. to prepare for this podcast, you haven't slept. I did not sleep in well seven years uh, last night <laughs> no. because seven days because I had trouble breathing because I have a bit of a cold. So you got sleep apnea. It's a wet cough. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I did. Have, I did have sleep apnea. That's what I think. It's slightly different, but yeah, I really couldn't breathe, so I kept waking up. So. Okay, so what is sleep? A question that only recently got settled. Okay, the definition good. of sleep because. Prior to really around the 1920s, it was hard to really know what was going on when somebody was asleep. You were just, are they dead? <laughs> What's going on here? Um, Sometimes so the, both. The three main states of consciousness, one is waking, it's called, or being awake. And there are actually two categories of sleep, which you've probably heard of, REM and non-REM. Okay, and then what's the third state of consciousness? Those are the three. So two of the states of consciousness are when you're asleep? Yeah. What What the? What? Yeah. This is the now the dominant view of sort of like biologists is that there really are just three states of consciousness and you're only really alert for one of them. That is because REM is so different from deep sleep or non-REM sleep that they constitute and like your brain waves look entirely different. They constitute two different states of consciousness. Okay. They figured out how to separate these because they used to not really know what deep sleep was versus REM or any of that, or sleep, when we talk about sleep phases, this is all based on brain activity, measuring the electrical impulses of your neurons. They use uh, electroencephalography, is what it's called, developed in the 20s. Probably, I think they did some horrific experiments yeah, on animal like, brains. Yeah, ooh, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, <laughs> but now they can do it with humans without having to penetrate your skull they can just have a little sensor little electromagnetic sensor (laughs) in the 20s it was they're like also known as trepanation right yeah that's we had to we have to dig a little hole to like go check out what's going on okay so the your your stages i'll first kind of describe what the stages are and then we'll talk about what your brain waves look like during those stages you go from being awake to then the non-rem phases i guess there's three of them yeah so you go into n1 then N2, then N3, back up to N2, and then to REM. Okay. And then you keep cycling between REM and deep sleep. So what are each of the Roughly stages? a 90-minute phase cycle, like cycles or whatever. Chunks. So you get four or five sleep cycles in a night. 
The first two have pretty short REM periods of just like 10 minutes. And then the last, the later ones have much longer REM periods and less deep sleep. So before we talk about like why that is and stuff like that, what are the stages? Like what's what's popping? What are they characterized? Like if I was a scientist looking at like a brain weight or like a brain, what would be going on? One, like how would I know that we're entering? So the, the brain waves get slower and bigger. Okay. So the if you remember talk about waves last week, the amplitude goes up and they like or the frequency of them decreases. They slow down. So they get deeper. And what a brain wave is, and this I found very confusing, is that the neurons in your brain are firing like kind of constantly. There's a background of pink noise, it's called, as they're constantly firing if you measure them. But they like to sync up. There's like sort of reinforcement that happens in the system. So they end up oscillating. It's like sort of a pendulum clock almost. So your neurons all like to fire on similar bursts of like brain activity happening what's the difference between any of the ends oh so i don't have like a picture but it's different eeg patterns okay so the each stage of sleep has a characteristic uh eeg or electroencephalographic pattern that they can envision so waking has a lot of beta and gamma waves uh, depending if you're doing a peaceful or stressful activity and beta and gamma have a specific frequency beta or or 12 to 30 hertz gamma is faster it's 25 to 100 hertz so you can see pictures of them if you want. And then the onset of sleep involves slowing down that frequency to the drowsiness of an alpha, which is 8 to 12 hertz. And then finally to theta, which is 4 to 10 hertz of stage 1 R- NREM sleep. So when you're asleep, your brain waves have slowed down to like half the frequency of when you're awake. And that further decreases throughout the night as you get into the deeper stages of NREM sleep. And the amplitude is lowest during wakefulness. They're like tiny little waves that are jumping a lot, whereas they like increase and get larger. And then when you get to your deepest sleep, stage three and stage four have very high amplitude delta waves of zero to four hertz, which means just like once a second instead of 25 to 100 times a second, like when you were awake. Your brain doesn't slow down necessarily. Like The neurons are firing. They're just more synced up when you're asleep. And it's really distinctive that your brain, like, it goes through these phases and they can, like, all humans do it and have the same, like, similar phases that they can identify. I can give you some physical, like, if you were just looking at a person, what would happen? You want to know? Yeah. Or, like, the things that are characteristic of those, because there's, like, stuff that happens in each of the phases. So, like, the N1, that's, like, the stage when someone falls asleep, you know, like, their muscles might twitch a little bit. And that's also where you can get hypnagogic hallucinations, which is like that, uh, like feeling that you're falling. And I actually... And when you kick, when your leg twitches. I actually get this a lot. Or like if I don't take my uh, medication, I will get this a lot to the point where it's like traumatic to me. Um, Yeah, where I'll just like feel like I'm falling so much that I'll like wake up and, and still feel like dizzy. So that's like a interesting interesting thing and then in the stage two the the thing like that's special in this phase the brain begins to produce bursts of rapid rhythmic brainwave activity which are known as sleep spindles and these are thought to be a feature of memory consolidation so the spindle i was when i first read that i was like like thinking of like a spinning wheel or something but it's just referring to signals on the like eeg and that they'll see bursts in between like the regular waves yes and then three has more delta waves and it's referred to as delta sleep 
And this is the period of sleep where any noises or activity in the environment fail to wake the sleeping person. This is when you're like knocked out. This is deep sleep. And this is thought to be the most important part of sleep to get because it's the restorative. It's the kind where like your body repairs itself. Yeah. So in also in uh, deep sleep uh, like that, your your brain activity reduces to just 20 percent. Of, or sorry, the energy consumption of your brain drops to 20% of what it usually is. And because in mammals, mammals have like unusually large brains for animals that consume a lot of energy, your overall body's energy demands drop like a whole lot during this time. So you can do all this restorative stuff. Yes. Like your brain generates ATP. Oh, yeah. So it, it makes more sleep. fuel for the next day. Yeah, pretty much. And like, I think cortisone levels drop, a bunch of stuff happens. Like human growth hormone is like released or yep. produced while you're in deep sleep. And I thought this was really funny. Regardless of the sleep stage you're in, you produce prolactin, which is the hormone that helps you lactate. Nice. This was an aside in Wikipedia. Nursing moms or people who are into that sort of sexual play, you need to get your rest. <laughs> True. Yeah. Oh, that's like a cruel joke that nature's, right? Because they're like, oh, because they're like you're not going to sleep at all. Yeah. And then they get stressed out because they're like. Because they're not sleeping. Because their milk isn't coming in. Also, so the deep, that deep restorative sleep, do you know that animals that are in hibernation will actually come out of hibernation a little bit to get the other kinds of sleep? I guess that makes sense. You really do need a balance of them. <laughs> I think that's so funny because they're in hibernation to like conserve their energy, but they're like, wait a second, I need to like remember some shit or something. I don't know why they would, people don't really know why they do that. And then in REM, it's like a lighter stage. It's almost like you're waking up again and it has similar brain waves to when you're awake, which is right. The first guy who like strapped electrodes to the first guy who like discovered REM, he like strapped electrodes to his son and he was like, watching the waves and he he was like oh my son must be awake i don't know why he wasn't in the same room but he was like oh he's actually asleep right now you know yeah so i guess that's why that's considered a third and distinct stage or state of consciousness because you have i mean the name of it rapid eye movement right your eyes are twitching your brain is very active this is when most people report having dreams that they remember i think it was some study it's like 70% of people or something, if they're woken up while dreaming during REM sleep, they remember 70% of people remember the dream and they're very clear that it was a dream. Whereas people who dream during deep sleep, it's like less than half of those people remember the dream or realize that they like, and they can't really recall that it was a dream really. Do you know that, that if you drink alcohol, you will, you might get more like deep sleep, but you actually will get smaller amounts of REM sleep. And that's often why you it's, it's like similar to blacking out. Yes, because there's a, sedat a sedative effect with the alcohol. It, yeah. it drops you into a deep sleep more quickly. But you may not get a good balance of REM sleep. Won't remember anything. Yeah, did you know as you get older, you get less REM sleep? Yeah, yeah that's because uh, as you get older, your dreams are smashed, basically. Ouch. <laughs> okay, rough. Yeah, babies get... Eight hours of deep sleep and eight hours of REM sleep on average. I mean, what, what baby? <laughs> what baby is this? Maybe you when you were a baby. Or uh, Bradley. My, oh, yeah. My nephew who just like is a tank who just eats. He's a very eats pretty happy sleeps. baby. He sleeps I, a lot. Apparently, I never slept. Apparently, the percentage of time spent on each mode of sleep for the baby, it varies greatly just from week to week as the baby's growing up. And some studies have suggested that's correlated to how precocious you are as a child. 
there's there's like clearly a relationship between like brain development and amount of REM sleep that you get. And for older people, there's definitely a relationship between they get a lot less REM sleep and that's associated with like a cognitive decline. Mm. Um, and there is like how, how well people do on like memory tests or aging or like dementia also can be associated with like not getting REM sleep. So some of the therapies they look at are, are that like they study for people who have sleep disorders is like how can you improve or give people more REM sleep? And does that maybe help with memory? Hmm. So what happens if you don't sleep? Well, they, they break it into two categories, between partial sleep deprivation, which is like what I routinely do, and total sleep deprivation. Hmm. So partial sleep deprivation, it's, I'm sure everyone's been, you know, they've had this before or had to deal with it. Right, and it has a lot. It looks a lot like stress. Um, so it, it like affects your your stress hormones. It you can get headaches. It disrupts your like cognition and your memory. Your motor skills. It can lead to intense reactions to every <laughs> to, and like blowing up over stuff. Yeah, motor skills. Like we know of, of someone who got in a car accident because they oh, weren't yeah. sleeping. Yeah. The well, reaction well, time. Yeah, he fell into a micro sleep. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, so this is such a funny the theory is specifically it's your prefrontal cortex which is like in control of your higher function activities so executive function creativity and language and this is why it's so many artists take naps and it's like a good way if you're rested you will be like find it easier to be creative there's total sleep deprivation which also if you keep getting partial sleep deprivation then you can get total sleep deprivation Unfortunately, you can't store, there's no equivalent, you can't store up sleep, like you can have a sleep debt that they'll talk about, but you can't just like sleep 16 hours and be ready to go for the next two days. Like everything gets worse the less sleep that you get. Because some people are like, well, I like to time it with like increments of 90 minutes so that, you know, like, like some people believe that like if you had a choice of two hours or like an hour and a half you should go for the hour and a half of sleep because it's like a full like cycle or whatever but that's bs it's just like yeah they're trying to wake up in during their rem cycle rather than wake up out of a deep sleep yeah they're hoping that that will be like less no but just get sleep. disruptive and how many hours of sleep should people be so getting? we said the babies are are getting 16 and pretty quick as you reach like become a child you're more at like 10 to 12 depending and then when you like during your teenage years it it changes and you pretty much develop the (laughs) 20 hour the sleep schedule of an adult um which is like a typical adult is like seven to nine hours about an hour of that is rem sleep and the rest is deep sleep do you know you spend six years of your life dreaming is that yeah i mean that makes sense if you add up you know it's probably what do you say? Like five percent or something of your mm-hmm. of your your time that you are alive is going to be spent in REM sleep. So that makes sense. Oh, and then uh, once you get older, they they find that, and like anecdotally, like uh, elderly people often have trouble like falling asleep. They just have more sleep disorders, and many elderly people get like you know five hours a night or something. Mm. But they've done a lot of studies of like. Because, like, you know, it's very curious. Some people really can function on just, like, four or five hours of sleep a night. But can you imagine if they could get more? That's what I what I always wonder. Because, like, I used to work with a lot of, like, surgeons and stuff. And they were, like, 
I mean, this, I don't know, this is kind of scary. Like, they were doing, like, crazy-ass surgeries on people, and, like, they're like, yeah, I it's really regimented. Like, I, I wake up at the same time, I go to sleep at the same time, but I get, like, four hours of sleep. But And I always wonder, like, I'm like, but how much better would the surgeries be if you got, like... No, it really varies person to person. There's no... I think there's a lot of misleading articles on this where they treat it like a like FDA recommendations or calorie counts or something where like there really are people who just only need five to six hours and they've done all sorts of cognitive studies of people who like self-report that they only sleep four or five hours versus people who sleep eight hours a night and they don't find that the people who sleep eight hours a night have better memory or do better on cognitive tests or anything. I want to see what would happen if those people, the short, the like four hour people got like mad sleep would they just be like super genius that's what i mean yeah i don't think so well i want to do that study okay i think they've done it see me see me after class if you if you only get four hours and they uh there have also been like anecdotal people will be like oh you have a higher like risk of cancer if you like if you're sleeping less than six hours a night and it like they've done like studies and and like summary studies of studies and they like don't they haven't really found a link Hmm. One thing that is interesting is that not every culture sleeps the same way. So mm-hmm. the way we sleep in the modern world where we like, compared to human history, we, we go to bed very late and mm-hmm. we sleep in one long burst throughout the night. And that's actually not how humans have done it for the majority of human history. What? Yeah. So the theory is that pre-artificial uh, light societies, which is everybody prior to what, the late 1800s? Well, I guess you had lanterns then and candles, but everybody prior to, like, the 1600s uh, would sleep kind of... You wouldn't have a regimented sleep schedule. There was no concept of a bedtime. It just depended if there was something to do or not, and usually at night there was nothing to do and it was dark. So you would go to sleep, and because, like, a typical night is, you know, 10 to 12 hours or whatever, uh, you they would have segmented sleep. So the theory is based on like studying writings from like the Middle Ages or the Greeks or whatever is that you would have two sleeps and your first sleep would be more deep sleep and the second sleep would be more and you'd wake up around midnight and like pray or go hang out with your neighbors or something and then you'd sleep again and the second sleep would be mostly REM sleep. But like even candles were really expensive, you know, even through the 1700s. So there was not a ton of artificial light. So people that like wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep for a few hours, that's like normal? Well, it's normal if you were planning to sleep from like, you know, 8 p.m. until 6 a.m. or whatever. Like if you have the time to do it. Do you think maybe it's because their situation is like too dark if they put a little, right? Because that's what... No, but the darkness is your friend. That's no, but, that's actually how things are supposed to be. That's natural. Right, but you think that would ca- cause them to come out of... Because you said that that it was because there was no artificial lights and it was dark. That's when the segmented sleep was. So you think it's like an ancestral like vibe they're settling into. And if they made their surroundings a little brighter, maybe they would, would stay asleep and they wouldn't like wake up? I'm not a... A sleep doctor i have no idea that would be so interesting i, I do think uh you could compare like the development of artificial light to like the development of like agriculture and agrarian societies right and that yeah. like these ha- were like massive cultural changes for humans and we're more or less adapting to them still 
and then much more recently uh computer screens and like phone screens because they put out a lot of blue light compared to say a candle which is putting out like a very warm mm-hmm. pretty low level light are absolutely terrible for going to sleep and they've like ruined everybody's sleep hygiene mm. because you do need it to get darker and then your body will produce melatonin yeah which is the chemical that says get sleepy yeah uh, which is like an important part of your circadian rhythm and if you don't do that because you're looking at your phone or watching TV late at night and your body like it suppresses melatonin mm-hmm. production. What's circadian rhythm? Circadian rhythm is what every animal and bacteria has, which is that you seem to just you everybody is on a 24-hour clock. Plants follow it, right? Like closing up at night and opening up during the day. Even like uh bacteria will like change their metabolic process at night versus during the day. I did look up because I was interested, right? Melatonin is what makes you sleepy. I was like, well, how does caffeine work? Why does caffeine make oh, you not sleepy? I think I know. Why? Because it it binds to it binds to um, this thing that I'm gonna look. It binds to this this. I'll like, just tell you thing it's, that makes your body feel like it's not sleepy. It's your adenosine. Your adenosine. I was like, adenosine oh. is the name of this. Uh, Adenosine triphosphate. Well, there's a receptor that receives this. Adenosine triphosphate. Okay. But that uh, makes you feel drowsy. And it's during one of the non REM stages, like a bunch of adenosine, like, get, you know, your body just produces a bunch of it. Um, but yeah, it makes you feel drowsy. And so caffeine blocks the adenosine receptors so that they can't get the adenosine and feel drowsy. And it, it has like a half life of, or it has a, decay of like five hours i think so if you're gonna drink i think i've heard that too. except in some people they lack some enzyme that helps to break it down so like for them it will take even longer there also are so i told you about the middle ages like pre-industrial europe the bi biphasic or bimodal sleeping or segmented sleep and today there are modern societies i think mostly like aboriginal societies or some like modern day nomadic societies where people sleep throughout like the day and night for short periods. So even if it's like light or dark, it really just depends on what's going on. And if there's nothing going on, they just go to sleep. And then, you know, if it's time to hunt or do something else or some activity, then they wake up. So people used to seem to be like a lot easier going about sleep because there was just more free time, I suppose. You could you could sleep when you needed to. Oh, so the the levels, sorry to jump back, the levels of sleep deprivation, they gave them... Who's them? This article had stage names for sleep deprivation. Oh, okay. So stage one is if you go a full night without sleeping. Welcome to the stage. (laughs) Welcome to the stage. Stage one? Okay. (laughs) That's just one night or 24 hours without sleeping, which would be a night. This article is... Welcome to the stage all-nighter. Okay. Okay, so you, it's just gonna, it's the same symptoms as partial sleep deprivation, so impaired cognition and okay. uh, quick to anger. You're a jerk. Yeah, stage two is 36 hours without sleep. And then you basically start losing the ability to learn new information and your reaction time slows down a lot. Uh, stage three is 48 hours without sleep. And this is more intense. Uh, Wait, really? <laughs> And believe, believe it or not, you, that's when you start to have micro sleeps, which is oh, falling asleep like, unintentionally uh, yeah, like for narcolepsy. anywhere between a fraction of a second to 15 seconds. And you'll start to hallucinate after like 48 hours 
or experience what they call depersonalization, which is, I guess, you forget you're a person. And stage four is uh, 72 straight hours where you have delusions and hallucinations. And stage five is being awake for four days or 96 hours. And that's uh, when you go into what is called sleep psychosis, where your brain can't accurately interpret reality. I mean... And if you go beyond that, like, you can... Yeah, you can die uh, if you keep not sleeping. Wait, so you know the longest guess, the longest time anyone ever went on record without sleeping? I thought I saw some article. It was like 8 or 10 days or something, right? 11 days and 25 minutes was set by... The, of course, it was an American, 17-year-old Randy Gardner in 1963. Yeah, as part of like a radio contest or something? I think it was, he was doing a science project. A science, which is so, that's like actually really smart because he's like, all right, I'm going to need some time off of school. Yeah, he said that he started to feel the sensation of an invisible hat. That was the funniest one that I, that I, well. I mean, a lot of different things. Also, there's this sleep disorder. I think it's called a parasomnia or something. uh, It's called fatal insomnia. Fatal familial insomnia. Oh, yeah. You you were telling me about that. Yeah. It's it's like a gene that is, it's just been passed down in this one Italian family since like the 1700s. And it doesn't pop up until you're like, maybe in your 50s or something. Yeah, because I said to you, I was like, how do they keep having children if none of them can ever sleep? And the, how do they sleep with each other? It's, it, to me, it, it it reminded me of The Ring where it's like seven days because it, once it starts, it can't stop. And even the strongest like sedatives, even they've like put them in coma to try and save them and it like does, they just die. It will always result in death. Yeah, like your brain just loses the ability to like regenerate itself, I guess, and to like produce ATP. So like, yeah, basically your metabolism goes into overdrive, and it just starts. You start eating yourself, and then you die. Yikes! Also, I think some rats have had. Oh, you know what? Mad cow disease is like a a cousin of this thing. So you get holes in your brain. You remember mad cow disease puts like the holes. So it's it's like in the family of this like thing. Yikes. Yeah. I forget what it is because I think they first noticed it in livestock where they <laughs> said that livestock would act really clumsy and they were like, what's going on? And I forget the name. It was something like schmoop. Like that was what they used to call it in livestock. And then there was this, you know, this guy who died. This like a do- he was actually a doctor. The clumsy livestock disease. Yep. This dog, you know those those toys where you press the base and they like fall over. Yeah, one I guess on the flip side, one positive aspect of sleep deprivation. Sleep deprivation is an insanely good short term treatment for depression. Is I I thought this was really like surprising. So it's in if someone is like very depressed and has chronic depression, and you keep them awake for a full night, it's like forty to sixty percent of them feel better like almost immediately. The depression goes away. Because they have other problems. How are you keeping them away? You just no. You just don't. You just say like, don't go to sleep for a night, and just like then you know, in your journal or whatever, write it up. Um, but that's like a way higher success rate than any like SSRI or like antidepressant treatment or medication. That it's like over fifty percent of people report feeling better the next day. However, it doesn't last after they then have a oh, night of catch up sleep. 
uh, 80% of the respondents uh, relapse back into depression. But it's a really like kind of crazy factoid, I guess. So, so you know, psychologists and like neurobiologists who are like researching what causes depression, for example, like it's a, a sort of a fascinating clue into maybe like what it's related to. So the theory is they know that depression is related to your, it's called your glutamate system because ketamine interacts with that is why ketamine is like a useful treatment and like electric shocks <clears throat> electric what is it electric ECT. stimulation ECT interacts with the glutamate system and they think that's related to your how your synapses form and your formation of new synapses is like the their guess for what's the actual like physical like root cause of depression hmm. all of these like depression cure, like cures that you're talking about are like you're just you're just like, well, if we like unplug the thing, maybe it'll restart in a better way. Well, yeah, I mean, mental and emotional issues are like extremely difficult to both to diagnose and to to like prescribe treatments for because you're dealing just with the patient's own perception of reality. That's like sort of the thing you're trying to fix. And it's you can't tell what's going on in their brain. You have like very limited imaging tools. You can't take like an x-ray of it and be like, oh, here's like the thing that's like wrong. We have to just set it back in this other way it's you know so it makes sense it's very difficult anyway i just thought that was a very like weird aside if, if so if you're ever feeling kind of sad stay up all night and nice. uh you got a 50 percent chance of feeling better for you know until you then go to sleep again <laughs> tell me about dreams okay so we said they mostly happen in rem sleep yeah they can have they, they they happen all the time you remember them in rem sleep should you follow them that depends who you're talking to. That depends because there's all different theories. When I say like dream theories, who's like, who do you think of? Uh, like Freud? Yes. Everyone is like, oh yeah, he's the one. Because he actually, he used to like kind of shit on it. Like he was just like, mm, I don't think so. Like dreams are like whatever. But then he had, this like often happened with his stuff. He had a dream. It became personal. Yep. He had a dream and he was like, oh, this is helping me deal with my trauma. It's, it's actually a famous dream. It's called Irma's injection because he had this patient that he couldn't help because she, because she refused to follow his treatment. And then in his dream, he had to give her this like injection. And she was like, no, I don't want it. And he's like, it's it's for you, you know. And then he was like, oh, I'm clearly working out the trauma that I wasn't able to help her, but I realize now that it's not my fault. And so he wrote this book called On Dreams. It probably sounded much cooler in German. And his, I, his sort of theory of dreams was that dreams made you stay asleep, they helped you sleep. Because if you didn't dream, you would have all these like un, under the surface um, subconscious anxieties and that would actually wake you up so the dreams were sort of like a, a trash bag for like all of the stuff that would bubble up um it's like your sub subconscious to keep your subconscious from waking you up basically this is what a lazy theory that's dumb it's <laughs> dumb though and if you're doing freudian he's like well you have to think about it at some point so either it'll be during rem or it's going to keep you that's 
No, that doesn't make any sense. If you're doing Freudian psychoanalysis, though, you do are required to keep a dream journal and talk, bring it to therapy and like uh, talk about it. So in a way, he like he he popularized dreams as a sort of like science as having meaning, yeah. which is a fun fact called o- oneironography, hmm. which is. I believe it, it's it's like a god he's a god of dreams from a mythology and i think in neil gaiman's like sandman oniris is like one of the sandman's many it's one of his names aliases yeah so uh freud's theory on dreams is basically divided up into different cat- like four different categories so there's condensation and that's like getting multiple ideas into one. So an authority figure in a dream could be like your parent or your teacher, right? Um, Displacement is changing the thing that we're concerned about into something else. And then symbolization, and then there's a secondary revision. So it's reorganizing the elements of the dream into a comprehensive whole and this takes place at the end of the dream and it has the dreams manifest content which is like what the dream is about it's like the uh the thesis statement of the dream (laughs) so that's what you're trying to work out in therapy and when you bring your dreams into therapy and you get them analyzed and he did have like a dream book it was all penises and all your father that was that was all the definitions (laughs) Um, then you would be rid of like all of these traumas and like subconscious things. His buddy, Carl, Carl Jung. Well, Carl, Carl Jung, you, you know a little bit about Carl Jung, like him and Freud's theories, they differed a lot. And this kind of, this was like maybe one of the reasons why they like separated ways. So can you guess like what Carl Jung's Uh, you were dreaming about archetypes? Yeah. You're getting in, in touch with the archetype world? Exactly. Right. So Carl Jung thought that dreams were like to help you realize your full potential. Yeah, or to also tap into the collective unconscious. So you could also be dreaming like to to connect with like your ancestors or like to connect to society. There's Calvin, Calvin Hall. Okay, so him, uh, he, Calvin Hall used a quantitative approach. So he he like really studied and analyzed a whole lot of people's dreams and he basically said that it's just conceptions of the world, yourself um input like it's just like your interp- your interpretations and impulses. So he was basically like it's just like the weird part of yourself interpreting the world or like yourself or yourself or society. It doesn't sound quantitative. No, because he he analyzed like a whole bunch of <laughs> it's a mis- misleading terms. I analyzed a bunch of them, so it's quantitative. Yeah, I guess. <clears throat> um, two more theories. One is like doesn't I don't like it. It's basically like a, th- a risk analysis or like risk preparation. So this kind of only deals with nightmares. It says that like you dream to like go through your trauma so that you're like over it. So, like, if you're running away from something, then, like, 
you're kind of like practicing your running skills in your sleep in case you have to like run away from it in real life. Um, or if something embarrassing happened and you're replaying it, you're kind of like working through that or like preparing for the embarrassing thing to happen so that you've like practiced. There's the last one, which is like, it's like the weirdest one, I guess, but it's also the most boring. It's like that your dreams literally don't mean anything, but it's because like your brain stem will just like blurt out a bunch of stuff. And then like other parts, I think your thalamus will try and like assign meaning to it. Yeah. Yeah. I buy that interpretation. I think that's the most likely you just get random firings and then your brain is basically like a pattern matching, like, you know, meaning building machine. Like humans love to create stories when even when you're awake, your brain's constantly making stories for why things happen in the beginning and the ending of a thing. And that's your brain just sort of practicing. Yeah. Some people have taken that one even further and they say that you, the analysis of the dream is invented like when you're basically already awake so that 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 whole thing happens but like the the interpretation happens like literally as you're waking up so you're not even like asleep it's not even you remembering dreams it's like you remembering the firings and then like creating something really quick did freud do hypnotherapy as well or no no just just like talk therapy because i was to bring this back to the brain waves I mean, he said he gave people cocaine. Um, <laughs> hip, hypnosis, like one of the ways they think hypnosis works, it's called a it brainwave entrainment. Yes. And when we were talking before is you can, based on an external stimulus like a watch chain or an auditory noise or a flashing light, you actually can, from an outside stimulus, you can sync up someone's brainwaves. And I don't, I don't know to what effect. They're not really sure like exactly what the outcome of is that, but it's a very neat thing that you can get someone's brainwaves like in sync with some external stimulus like a pendulum clock they have apps that actually train that it's like a game right so they they like if you win the game you are like training your brain i think to do more beta waves and they have playlists on spotify that are like alpha or beta like Entrainment here specifically is the physical phenomenon of multiple oscillators matching up with each other by the way it's not training as in like you're doing it, you're training on a task. Entrainment is the physical term for when like two pendulums will, if you have two pendulums on a table that can move, they'll sync up with each other. Oh, that's weird. Okay. Yeah, that's even, that's weird. Discovered by Huygens. You can find, uh, there's a couple examples of this online where somebody has like metronomes and they'll set them off randomly on a table that's free to like roll. And over the course of like a minute, the metronomes all sync up with each other. Yeah, it's, a, it's an example of a physical process. Where that's actually what causes brain waves in the first place, is that your neurons, oh. <laughs> instead of all firing randomly, there's they think, for whatever reason, it's like less energy intensive if they all kind of like sync up and fire in similar waves. And if they're all active at the same time, at the same frequency. You know that there have been studies on that people sleep worse during a full moon, and this is literally like they, they put them in a dark, like place so the they can't it's not because there's like more light or anything it's literally like they maybe the maybe the metronome of the moon and they also don't know what the study's about but they measure their brain waves and like well they tell them it's like a you know going to space simulation or something yeah. you have to be inside for the next like month yeah they've they've tested like what happens if you put someone in a room 
and like change the change it so they're not on a 24 hour schedule like what if you put them on a 25 hour schedule with how you do like when you turn the lights on in the room and turn them off for example and when you give them activities to do but you don't give them a clock to know what time it actually is Mm -hmm. and i think they found that humans can adjust to between like 23 and 26 hours like you'll be okay and your body will just kind of switch to the new rhythm Mm. but uh and then if they don't give you any outside stimulation, they let you have the light switch and control when you're awake or asleep. A lot of people drift to about a 25-hour circadian like cycle. Ooh. And it's not exactly 24 necessarily. So but what are some things that can help you sleep better? I was going to say there's, uh, this also works for depression too. One of the, the big guidelines I got when reading about depression and the sleep deprivation ironically was don't do sleep deprivation one of the best things you can do for your mental health and avoiding depression is sleeping okay but how do we sleep the two really good things that they tell you for sleeping the number one is sleep hygiene which Mm. is the things your mom told you to do which is like don't watch tv late at night like don't look at any electronic devices within like an hour or two of bedtime don't have caffeine after dinner um don't eat a big meal right before you go to bed like the gremlins make sure what make your room a little cooler than usual depending on how you sleep what you're comfortable with make sure your bed is very comfortable don't do work in bed so that you train yourself that it's bed is the place where you sleep yeah oh yeah and if you get up and you can't fall asleep you're supposed to like get out of bed so that you don't associate your bed with like the stress of not sleeping you go like to the couch and read or something yeah. Oh, and you yeah you shouldn't read on like an e-reader because that's more blue light. You can get like the blue light blocking glasses. Yeah. Although I, I think it's still personally, I think it's probably still best if you can if you have a Kindle, which doesn't emit light, or if you have a book. Because dark like darkness is also a really that's like a super important thing. Just like making sure the room is dark. It's it's interesting because like. Well, like a, a, a like having fat before you go to sleep that'll like stay in your system so you won't like wake up hungry. However, some carbohydrate that can like help your that can help in like your deep sleep that can help um, give you the ingredients you need for your ATP and stuff like that. So, so what's the pe- advice? People people differ. Like, I guess if you if you are a light a lighter sleeper, if you wake up like not feeling super rested maybe like having fat some like fat to like help you sleep longer um but if you want to have more rem sleep maybe take some carbohydrates or drink a lot of water so you have to like wake up because that's another like if you want to like remember your dreams like you kind of have to wake up after the rem different sleep supplements like work in different ways so a lot of them just like relax you like most of the herbal ones they're not like a hormone or anything they just tend to relax you and like that's that's that and I'll name a couple of those but there's also melatonin if you're gonna take melatonin you should start with a very 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 low dose like I think like 0.5 milligrams a lot is sometimes they're like 10 milligram things but you want to start with like the lowest dose possible. So I my favorite one is Kava Kava. What is it called? Uh, Zembrin, which is also sometimes referred to as Kana, K A N A. Those are two like different 
ones, but I feel like they relax me and they make me feel really rested. Like I don't have difficulty falling asleep, but I'm a very light sleeper. So I, those, they make me feel like very deep sleep, like valerian root. I've had really vivid dreams with valerian root. Yeah. Melatonin's kind of like a loose cannon. Like some, some nights I'll be like, wow, that was great. And then like some nights I'll just like wake up feeling kind of tired. So there's also like lavender and chamomile and like basically anything that like helps you feel relaxed. Magnesium is another supplement, but it's kind of like a causation or correlation. Magnesium is like magnesium sulfate is an Epsom salt. So uh, sometimes it's like maybe you just took like a nice long bath and that's why you're like sleeping well, or maybe it's the magnesium. Sleep is still a mystery and they're not really sure why it happens. And this is particularly true because every animal, and like we said, every animal seems to do it, and plants and even bacteria. But evolutionarily, it doesn't make any sense because you're like, a, right, you're a sitting duck for like predators. So it's like sleep must be evolutionarily like it has to be a very valuable that you like turn yourself off for like a third of the time. And there are nocturnal animals, right, that are like awake at night that sleep during the day in like a little burrow or whatever. But often animals that get preyed upon, right, will like be active at night, like little rodents. and stuff. Oh, true. Mice. Yeah. But <laughs> it is one reason that an, like an evolutionary adaptation of humans is that we're right. We're like the world's greatest ever persistence hunters. This is like led to all these theories about why humans even have like the large brains that humans have compared to other mammals is because we needed like to be able to map stuff because humans had such large hunting ranges like early humans. Don't like dolphins sleep with uh, one eye open. So I was going to tell you about a couple other animals and the ways they sleep. So yeah, dolphins sleep one side of their brain at a time will be in deep sleep while the other is in REM or even awake. And, and so, like, their eye on, on one side can be open, and it's, they're fully awake while the <laughs> other half of their brain is in deep sleep. Yeah, Enter sleep with one eye open. Right. However, dolphins also can just do normal sleeping. They're they, so magnificent. They can also just go rest and, and just sleep. But, yeah, they do. They're often found, like, they can actively be swimming while half of their brain is asleep. I would love that. Wouldn't it be great to, like, run out? You're like, it's cool. I'll do it tonight. Like. <laughs> It's called, yeah, they have unihemispherical slow wave sleep. And then the, I don't know why this factoid was in here, but echidnas. The spiny anteater. Do not have REM sleep. Yeah, the spiny anteater, exactly. Like knuckles. Oh, yeah. Uh, echidnas do not have, yeah, they, o they only have slow wave sleep. So there's a theory that REM sleep only developed after echidnas on like the the, the tree of <laughs> the tree of life or whatever some like they don't maybe it was only larger mammals or whatever developed like the ability to do rem sleep they're like egg uh hatched mammals though so maybe it it's something like that Unique happens to their particular branch because like feta fetus fetuses um <clears throat> they can they are they think they rem well it's not they don't have eyes but or lids, whatever. They do, they have some brainwave that's like similar. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're developing their, yeah, their brain. So I'm sure it's firing off, is testing stuff out. I was going to say the echidnas, though. The counterclaim is that the echidna has merged REM and non REM sleep into just one mm. cycle. So they're still getting it. I see. Yeah. But I don't know what the echidnas know that we don't.
So you know some people dream in black and white. Do you can you guess why? Because they're colorblind. No, it's just like that's what they're. It's like usually older people or people whose media is like black and white. Like was black and white. No, really. Yeah, I. Yeah, they I wonder just, if like they just remember television from when they were a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's the theory. Like if people are like, oh yeah, um, remember the photographs from the Civil War? Yes. You're like yeah, black and white. Yeah. Uh, this was like really weird. I think I get what it means, but it's like weird. It's basically saying that like you only dream of stuff that you've like seen. It's basically like every face in your dream is like a face that you've seen in real life. And I'm like, but what about like creatures yeah, that's, that's and from stuff? Some famous psychoanalyst said that. I forget who, but I don't think that's probably, true at all. Prob- probably Carl Jung. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't think that is actually true. And yes, your point. You're like, what if you see a dog in your dream? And you're, it's like, it can, only be a dog. Dog it can only be a dog that you've seen before. And you're like, I don't have a very good memory for people's faces or what they look like. I think you mostly dream about people you know, because that's like material that's at hand for your subconsciousness. Yeah. And I I will routinely like, I think I told you, like I, I dreamed about like uh, being in a band and like auditioning for like oh a talent show some talent show or something and that very much is like it's nothing i would in my waking life think about because i haven't like played with a band in like five years and i haven't auditioned for like a talent show in like 20 years but it's the kind of thing that i think in my psyche or when i personally think to myself about things i've done it plays like a reasonably large role or whatever of like things I remember about my youth or whatever that would maybe be like a pivotal moment or something that I would recall. So it takes up a pretty large space in my subconscious. So that's like when I'm dreaming a thing that like gets picked up pretty quickly. It's like, oh yeah, that like all the practicing you did for that talent show and your friends who were like in the talent show and you remember these people you haven't talked to in 15 years. But it was like your way of dealing with the stress, like making it a little more kid friendly, right? At that, that dream, would you say? I... Our interpretation was that I have lately have had a lot of responsibility and been running around to like handle a bunch of stuff. And so this this like talent show thing was that anxiety or whatever. Because specifically I was like late for the tryout or something. Or I was late for my slot to perform in the talent show and they like skipped me and the talent show was over. And so like it was really just manifesting that same anxiety over missing some some other aspect. But with something that you had experience with that you're like it's, you know, it's just a talent show. Like, it's like, you know, making it easier for you to digest, maybe. Yeah. So that was, yeah, the, the that you've only seen, like, faces that you've seen. I, that would be, like, an interesting thing to see if people can, like, come up with stuff that they've never, like, seen before. Like, if you took a kid and you, like, purposely never... You never showed them, like, snow and you, like, hid all knowledge of snow from them. Mm-hmm. And then it would be like really interesting to see if they would ever dream of snow. That's that. That's the kind of like vibe that that was like going down. Yeah. I there guess. is also like a whole, and I think this is a very like pop science thing. It's not true, but it's like you can't read in your dream or clocks because, of, and you can't see clocks because of like a left brain, right brain thing. I don't think that's oh. actually accurate or true. I re- I read not in a dream, but I read that that was because reading and clocks were like they are a newer invention compared to the invention of like the brain. So the the brain hasn't figured out how to like yeah I think that's do garbage. that. That's totally I think hard. I can like because you can you can dream about like 
in my dream, I was like playing guitar, which is like a pretty new invention. Like, oh, true, true, true. Oh, and we didn't like talk I... about in the in your resting state the Tetris effect. Oh yes, that if you play Tetris, if you do like repetitive patterns, you might dream of it. I've had it with not with Tetris, but with Free Cell, which is like the solitaire like game that you mm-hmm. play. Because there was a summer when I had an internship, and we'd just play. Me and the other interns would bet money and play competitive free cell for like a few hours a day. So we played like a lot. And so, yeah, as you're like falling asleep, you see like you'll hallucinate and you'll like see like a free cell game or a Tetris game in front of you and like the things matching up. And it's just your brain kind of like exercising, I guess. It's just sort of flexing. Doing solving problems and patterns and stuff. It's like if you know somebody who boxes a lot or whatever they'll like or who golfs a lot like or drum like a drummer like in their free time they'll be doing the motion like somebody who golfs a lot will just be kind of swinging sort of for fun because they're used to just the motion i think drummers are really like a classic the drummers will constantly be like like drumming on stuff do they drum like in their sleep you patterns. think they do <laughs> like my friend ken does he if drum you, in his sleep if you just watch him like sleep he won't even really be aware of it no he's not drumming in his sleep. maybe <laughs> A final segment on. Oh wait, wait! I was gonna literature. say, like the problem. Like, have you ever solved problems in your sleep? Because I, I have examples. I, I uh, do it in the shower when I first woke well, up. That's not sleep, so. No, I do it in my waking life. I solve problems. I've legit like solved problems in my dreams before. Like I learned how to do a muscle up in my dream, and there was something wrong with one of my clients one time, and I couldn't figure it out. And then I dreamt of her SI joint, and we like released it the next day, and she was like better. Abraham Lincoln dreamed that he was, he dreamed that the president was assassinated in one of his dreams, like right before he was assassinated. Not after, obviously. There's some famous like uh, dream predictions. Okay, well, we, will we finish up with dreams and literature? Yeah. I see. Okay. Sleep. Oh, sleep. Sleep and literature. literature. Dreams too, but well, sleep is like the obvious like comparison is to death i don't what, sleep because sleep, sleep is the cousin of death that is nas <laughs> and you took my joke because i was going to tell you that oh. in greek mythology hypnos is the god of sleep and thanatos is the god of death and they're both the children of nyx the goddess of night Ooh. so sleep is the brother of death oh i see i set you in up greek for that mythology. i didn't take it um, and then there's this common thread throughout world literature of people falling asleep for extended periods of time. I don't know what that tells you about these different cultures, but like the Greeks have a myth and like the early, like the Romans, like the Roman Christians had a myth and Irving Washington wrote about Rip Van Winkle, mm. who's like a lazy old man who goes and like gets drunk with a bunch of Dutchmen in the Catskill Mountains, the Catskills. <laughs> And then uh, falls asleep for 20 years and then comes home and his wife is dead. He doesn't feel too bad about it. Is he like And aged? his son is now an adult. Is he been, has he not aged? He is not aged because he was asleep. But his like, beauty he had his rifle that he was carrying with him and the rifle has like, you know, rusted over in 20 years. He has a beard that's a foot long and his dog is like, this was sad. He went, he was like walking <gasps> with his dog no. and his dog is gone because his dog died. This sounds like a Stephen King, like a black hole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sleeping Beauty? Yep, there is Sleeping Beauty. That's that's really more about assault. <laughs> I think, I think. 
He's gonna go. And Snow gonna White go, gonna go kiss some woman who like can't consent. Snow White. Because... All the fairy tales are like, but she was actually asleep. The Greek legend is Epimenides of Gnosis, who uh, is a, a shepherd on uh, the island of Crete. Whoa, is that where counting sheep comes from? Me? No, probably not. But that's what he was doing. He was looking for a missing sheep. <gasps> that's where it came from. Then he got tired and fell asleep in a cave near Mount Ida. And when he awoke, he couldn't find the sheep and went back to his farm, only to discover it was now under new ownership. And he went to his hometown. No one there knew him. And finally, he met his younger brother, who is now an old man, because he had been asleep for 57 years. Whoa. I think that's where counting sheep came from. <laughs> or I guess these movies where they freeze somebody, like Austin Powers. Oh, cryogenic he's sleep. Like, cryogenic sleep. He's frozen and comes back to the future. Han Solo? Yeah, and then there's one more. The <laughs> the Seven Sleepers of Ephesus was a Christian Seven sleepers. story where... These Christians during pagan times are being persecuted, so they go, also go hide, I think, in a cave and fall asleep. But they wake up 360 years later, oh my God. only to discover to their astonishment that Christianity is now the religion of the Roman Empire. How convenient. Yeah, lucky them. Yeah, and then, and then there's all sorts of, like, you know, dreamland stuff in literature. And then there's the whole Sandman The Sandman and the... the now it's like... Well, the Sandman is a god, too. Yeah, he actually well, is the god of sleep. But so is Oniris, I believe. And uh, isn't what is it? Um, now there's all the science fiction ones that are about like implanting dreams, right? And like control, because that's like a thing. Because they've figured out yeah, how it's to eternal sunshine of this. Well, that's erasing memories. Yeah, well, which sunshine. is another. I mean, that's the theory of why you dream is actually dreaming to like sort out the stuff that you don't need. By the way, the movie is Demolition Man. Oh. Famously, pretty bad movie, because the also the brainwave is like we said, it's like it's an overall pattern of a bunch of individual neurons firing. You have billions of neurons that are going. This is just sort of the average the, over time is the neurons kind of like to line up. Sorry, the and, MRI picture of the brain, the area, like the exact area is excited. It's I functional MRI. Yeah, you yeah, can see they, the topology of the brain and the parts are excited. That still is like nowhere close. Like one like lastly, I I didn't know that you can't REM unless you're laying down. Do you know that? No. Yeah, I you can't. And so when they do studies on and rats as well, so they do studies on rats. They to make sure that they're REM. They um they put them on like a little island in the middle of water. So if they stand up, they'll fall in the water. <laughs> Why would the rat stand up in the first? The rat probably wants to be sitting anyway to fall asleep. I mean, I guess it's to force that to make sure. Yeah, I don't know. I just I thought that was it was interesting. Yeah, they they have done that with some humans. Take people who've had like major brain surgery or brain traumas is that they can actually hook up individual little electrodes to your brain because your brain is so plastic and in, in that it's like good at reorganizing and like people can like learn to communicate with that thing. Something as crude as just like 16 little electrodes randomly soldered onto different parts of your brain. You can actually like learn to interface with that and use it to control like an electronic arm. Oh, okay. Which is really wild that like, that's how good your brain is at reorganizing itself and dealing with like a new stimulus. You can control a new appendage from it, 
which is really wild. But we'll save that for the robotics yeah. episode. Uh, I think just once or twice in college, after I like read about lucid dreaming, and then it, it happens, it's more likely to happen if you're napping. And for those listening, lucid dreaming is when you realize you're in a dream while the dream is occurring. And so yeah. you either, often you can then control the events of the dream uh, with like varying levels of success. And apparently if you practice, you get better at this and you can even train yourself to like start lucid dreaming. Um, if you ever read the book, surely you're joking, Mr. Feynman, Richard Feynman did it a lot and like taught himself, I think while in college, uh, how to lucid dream. Yeah. By taking I, naps. I always know I'm dreaming when I dream, but I can't, con I don't, I either don't or can't control things, but I can like yeah. be like, oh, I'm going to go over here now. But there's been just many times where I'm like, I just want to wake up already. Cause I'm like, I just come on, you know, I get like bored and I like try to wake myself up. Yeah. Some people have like full control of like what's going to happen in the dream. Yeah. Apparently the ideal nap time too is 26 minutes. Like if you just need a refresh. Yeah, I don't buy that either. It's gonna it depends on the person. That's that's like your that's like there's an optimum number of hours to sleep or yeah. calories to eat or anything else. It depends on the person. Yeah. There's guidelines. Okay. Well that's this was a dream. <laughs> hope hope everyone's really relaxed and sleepy. Yeah. All play us out. With sweet dreams. So oh, please leave us a dreamy five-star review on Spotify or iTunes. And thanks so much to our editor, Danny Feltz, for helping make our, our dream of having a well-edited podcast come true. Yes. Sweet dreams.